This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. From the Dealer News Today headquarters, here's your host, Dave Canton with Andrew Cherkaski. Good afternoon, Dave. Andy, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? So I wake up this morning to my weekly automotive news delivery and uh, front page, crisis mode. Then I get my news alert from Forbes uh, this morning, about 1030 Eastern Standard Time, citing pandemic slowdown, Asbury Automotive Chain nixes $1 billion acquisition. Andy. You know, this is exactly what you've been talking about with the effects this is going to have on the merger and acquisition industry. Obviously, that's a, a big part of what you do in your day in, day out life. So it it's obviously having dramatic impact. You know, we're living it every day with DCG acquisitions. You know, as we were going into this scenario, when I say going into it four weeks ago, we were basically wrapping up about a dozen deals, preparing them to close. Everything's at a halt. You know, you know, dealers that were borrowing 50% of the, uh, of the goodwill and, 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 and working capital to purchase their next acquisition still had to come up with 50% of that acquisition and liquidity. Well, today that 50% liquidity that they were going to put into their next acquisition has now become working capital for their other dealerships. So, you know, it literally has slowed down the M&A industry. Um, you know, we were also negotiating maybe a half a dozen to a dozen acquisitions that we were working, negotiating to get to the point of a letter of intent, you know, to get to the next level. You know, I speak to my regional vice presidents uh, throughout our five offices across the country, and every one of them had acquisitions, preparing the close, had acquisitions as they were in negotiation status. And, you know, everything at this point is, is at a halt. And, and when I see automotive news today, crisis mode, when I see the Forbes article, billion dollar acquisition is no longer here for Asbury, you know, that, that tells us this is reality. Let's quickly hear from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Single Throw Marketing, digital marketing consulting services, and so much more. Find out more at singlethrow.com. Dave, let's talk about this uh, Asbury Park Place deal. I mean, it was a $1 billion acquisition for Asbury to uh, acquire Park Place. They're walking away from that with a $30 million penalty, right? I mean, that's that that shows the willingness to walk away at this point due to the uncertainty, I think. You know, I, I, I literally... <laughs> As I read this, and, and I'm and I'm sitting here reviewing this thirty million dollar walk away. Look, it's including termination fees, financing, and other expenses. You know, you have legal expense, you have accounting expense, which includes due diligence. You have real estate appraisals, environmentals. You know, nobody wants to walk away from an acquisition and have to pay thirty million dollars to do so. So why why not just put things on pause right now? Why are we seeing deals actually dying? Well, look, you know, there's, as you know, I've created acquisitions, you know, much larger than this. And, you know, this would actually result in one of probably the top 10, if not top five uh, largest acquisitions in U.S. history in the automotive industry. When you're dealing with something this big, you can't just leave it sitting out there. You know, due to the fact that Asbury was allowed to publicly announce this, I believe somewhere is in December, December 12, 2019. Right, I think it was de December they came out and they actually announced it, which yeah, is mean, not normal. I mean, once 
once you announce it, it's done. Well, now you have this, now you have every employee that knows about the acquisition. And that's probably the scariest thing for someone when they get in acquisition mode, you know, they don't want anyone to find out. So, you know, one of our key ingredients and one of our most important ingredients at DCG acquisitions is confidentiality. And when a deal is allowed to publicly be announced prior to the closing, it is the greatest risk a seller could actually get themselves involved in because everyone knows they're exiting. Everyone knows they're selling. Now that deal is no longer here and the seller's got to reintroduce, you know, he's got to, he's got to go back into his stores as the operator. And, you know, basically he's inviting uh, any issues that could arise from that. And, and it's scary. And, you know, he's got $30 million now to, to protect himself and plan for the future. But still not waiting a couple of weeks to see where it goes. I mean, if, if we, get on the president Trump train where we're back at it by April 12th. If that's realistic or even by the end of April, are Andy, we really this is so point? much greater than that. What you have to understand is we are not weeks away from, from reopening the economy. Okay. Even if the economy, even if everyone went back to work, call it May 1st, right? Let's be realistic. It's not happening on Easter. Okay. Everything's let's say, open. let's say by May 1st, open. everything's open. Yeah. You're talking three to six months before the automotive industry completely rebounds. And I don't even mean completely, maybe 70% yeah, rebounds. People aren't going to be going to these places. I mean, think about a restaurant. Me now thinking about going to a restaurant, I'm going to be hesitant to do that. Just thinking about the number of people that are touching my food, going into stores. When I go to a grocery store now, I'm always struck by how um, ap apocalyptic it feels. Nobody's talking. It feels like there's no music. There's no atmosphere. Nobody's saying hello. It's uh, maybe a smile from down the the aisle way when we used to have a much sure. And here's one of my greatest fears, Andy, you know, process is the key to success in any automotive dealership process, process, process. I've been teaching that for decades. You know, when you take salespeople all around the country and you sit them at home and they're not doing what they do every day, I want you to think about this. Think about taking a professional athlete off the field, right? For, for 30 days, for 60 days, and then you put them right back onto the field. They're not going to be calling and creating the same plays as they always do because guess what? They're not doing it day to day. And my greatest fear is that these you know, salespeople all around the nation, all around the world, are not going to be able to reinsert themselves back into these positions and be performing at their best. Right. It's not stop and then go. Right. It, it can't it's, be. It's, it's going to be some sort of new invention of what is. Absolutely. I mean, is and that's one of my greatest new. fears. How long is it going to take for a, for everyone to get back into a, into a strategic process where there's, where there's consistent, where there's consistency, you know, uh, along all the showrooms, how long is it going to take even to invite back all your employees that you let go? Right. Right. I mean, so here's what's happening Are there right renegotiations now. with that. Do they come back? Are they going to your competitor? Is the competitor now offering them something better when the market reopens, you know, letting all, you know, look, a lot of dealerships are not letting anyone go. And then there's some that have already chosen to let people go. And I understand, right. It's something that has to be done, but you're also taking the risk of losing that person for, for the foreseeable future forever. And that's, that's scary because this will pass and stores will reopen. We're focusing so much on reopening the economy, but what we're not focusing about is it's not just a flip of a light switch. It's not just turning a switch back on and it we're opening it. It feels that way to a lot of people, I think. I, f I think that we're at this place where it's like, okay, we shut it down, now let's turn it back on. And I think President Trump hopes that's the case. Realistically, it's absolutely not. I mean, we don't have high spenders. We don't have people going out to buy new cars who aren't going to be affected mentally by what's gone on here. And that's not just in the new car industry. I think that's in every single industry 
whatsoever. There, there's just not a need Andy, to go out. Here's who's going to help us with this and really give uh, our listeners a good understanding. Today, we have joining us Joe Laham, who, who is the CEO and president of Premier Auto Group. Okay. Uh, he's been in business for, for three or four decades, maybe four decades plus. I mean, Joe owns a, a lot of car dealerships, five just on Cape Cod alone. Okay. Uh, uh, he owns an Audi store, a, 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 a Mazda dealership, a Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram dealership, a BMW dealership, a Volvo dealership, a Toyota Scion dealership, a Nissan dealership. He's experiencing what we're dealing with every day. He's on the front lines. You know, he's going to be able to help us. You know, how do how is he going to train or how is he going to reintroduce opening up their showrooms if they are closed at this point? How is he going to rejuvenate his own economy within his four walls of each showroom? So, you know, I'm really excited today for yeah, well, us to speak with Joe. Let's get him on the Joe. phone. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Laham from Premier Auto Group. Uh, he's been a dealer now. I don't want to, I don't want to date him. Joe, how long have you been an automotive dealer for? Since 1979. Don't date me. <laughs> <laughs> Only 40 years, Joe. Come on. That's like nothing. That's a, a drop in the hat. And you yeah. know, you've done so many impressive things over the years. I was reading an article uh, on you from about five years ago, and it was talking about how innovative you are um, in running your dealerships, how involved you are. Um, what are you doing right now that you consider innovative, something that you might not be hearing other dealerships are doing in this crisis? Well, we've gotten a lot of calls from most of the local uh, groups that we know or we've known for years. And, you know, we're trying to communicate amongst each other and with each other so that we get the message out. But what we did to start was to, you know, take the forefront and instantly communicate to all of our clients. We email blasted all of our clients, giving updates. Tremendous response we got back uh, from clients telling us how they were thankful that we were ahead of it, acknowledging the situation and uh, protecting not only our staff, but our clients so that they had uh, comfort and ease. Because when it comes to these issues with health and the unknown that we're now chattering, um, you, you need some sense of uh, security and ease that you don't have to worry. What's the status there with your dealership? What's the, what's the current limitations that you're under? So we were just recently placed by the state. Um, last week, we went to a modified schedule. And then on Tuesday, the governor set it in stone on Monday that uh, essentially we had to go to modified schedule, essential services, which is mostly all of the states are doing the same. So we're open for service in parts, reaching out to our clients. Um, we went and asked all of the staff members who felt comfortable. And if they didn't feel comfortable, we, we did not um, insist that they come in. So limited staff for service and parts, GMs are in all the stores and um, basically hand to hand every day, making sure we're on it at a company meeting today with everybody to follow up. And one of the big things is just communicating with everybody so that everybody knows what we're doing and it's no surprise. That's exactly what you said. Joe, let me ask you a question. Just, just for our listenership, tell everybody the states that you operated. Uh, all of our stores are currently in Massachusetts. We're, you know, in a small community called Cape Cod, which we have five stores in Cape Cod and one in Plymouth, Mass. So we're kind of in, we're locked into an area that uh, has some extenuating circumstances. You have to come over a bridge to get to us. And as you know, the more testing, the more it's uh, driven up this intensity of 
everyone being nervous. Sure. Joe, yesterday we had on the phone with us the president of New Jersey Car Dealer Association, uh, Jim Appleton. And Jim was battling for New Jersey car dealers, uh, you know, with the governor's office to uh, to get some sort of an agreement the online where they could sell cars online, right? Showrooms are shut down. Service and parts is open. You got over 500 car dealers. You know, Jim brought up a great point yesterday, and I'm sure Massachusetts dealers agree with this. You know, the state is making per car sold about four times almost what a new car dealer makes based upon collecting sales tax, motor vehicle fees, and so on. So it should create four times more urgency for them to want you to be able to sell cars than the actual dealer when you really think about it, right? Where are you? Are you guys allowed to sell cars in Massachusetts online right now? Yeah. So here's, here's the side side to that is that currently we asked the registry of motor vehicles to allow us, as you know, we do a lot of, uh, in-house registrations, uh, computer registration vehicles, CVR. So we're able to do that in-house. The difficulty is if these insurance companies don't stamp the form, we can't insure the cars, which means we can't register them. So the RMV has been great. The state association, uh, Bob Okanowski has been working hard legislatively and with the governor's office. And we've got the registry open. The question is, can we get these insurance companies to continue the process with us and quite frankly, um, it's not as good as we'd like it to be. Second piece of that puzzle, uh, gentlemen, is that, you know, you need digital retail, but digital retail only takes us to the 20 yard line. Now you got to put it through. So in some instances, you know, delivering the car, having the customer sign, we've got to get all these banks to allow us to deliver a car to a client and let them sign it at their home and not in the store. Um, essentially, right now, everyone's being very flexible. And so we're working through that. But the single biggest problem is getting consumers that are allowing us. I mean, we've offered free pickup and delivery now, um, not just in this instance, but we started this months ago when we were offering it's on all of our sites and all of our stores, drivepremier.com, where we would offer free pickup and delivery or our concierge service, which is we'll deliver a car anywhere. I mean, we can ship it coast to coast. Um, in our BMW store, we shipped eight cars across the country. This month, prior to all of this craziness that happened, uh, two to Texas, two to California. So that is there. The digital retail is getting better and better. But right now, um, we're being choked by a lot of things and not just by the state. The state's not being as difficult. It's can we get the insurance stamp and are the clients willing to let us deliver the vehicle to them? Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Laham, Premier Auto Group out of Massachusetts. Joe, thank you, thank you again for your time. So let me ask you something. We know that there's millions of cars a year that expire every month on leases. Are your clients, are you calling the customers to advise them what to do on all leases that expire at the end of March? Are they calling you? Are they calling the bank? What is it? I mean, you know, what's the process in Massachusetts and your car dealerships of, of what you're doing with all of these lease returns? Good question. We're soft peddling that. So what we're doing is reaching out because as I mentioned early on communicating, the problem now is the over communication. Everybody's reaching out to everybody. And quite frankly, we're not trying to sell anybody anything during these times. We're just trying to offer good advice, comfort, and, you know, mostly just here we are. We're, we're whatever you need from us. We're here. If you just want to call and talk about a vehicle, we don't want to turn customers off by trying to force them to purchase. Uh, most of the leases that are coming due have got extensions and everyone knows that. And we're putting that on our sites. We're giving your customers all the information they need, but that's a big obstacle. We're all going to have to overcome 
once this turns, because you've got all these leases maturing, as long as these leasing sources allow us to continue, uh, basically just pause, give us a 30-day pause, we're going to be fine. Um, and then you're going to see, you know, all-time records for months because all these vehicles that were not coming today, and think about penetration right now, is probably 50-plus percent leasing. So if we had thousands of leases due in the month of March, and we only did about 20% of those, what's going to happen if we can't handle them in April? So you're going to see subsequent months where you're going to skyrocket. Just lease returns alone will, will drive us into a uh, stratosphere of sales. So we got to be prepared for that when we get to that. Joe, let me ask you something. 40 years of being a dealer operator, you know, you've, you've, you've witnessed everything. I mean, you've been through, okay, the, the 80s, the 90s, 9-11, 2008. You've oh, experienced. Storms at Cape Cod, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you've experienced don't, it all, right? Don't, I mean, that's, that, don't, remind, you know, don't remind me, guys. <laughs> how do you prepare for this financial downturn within your car dealerships? I mean, how does a dealer... You know, is, look, most dealers, no. most dealers don't have the ability to prepare because let's face it, it's only been a little over four weeks that we were all together at NADA in Las Vegas and we were all, you know, you know, chatting away like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, this hits everyone out of nowhere, blindsides the automotive industry, the entire country, the entire world. How do you react as a car dealer that owns several car dealerships, you know, hundreds of employees, major financial responsibilities and liabilities? How do you prepare? How does a dealer prepare today? What advice do you have? Well, first and foremost, you have to maintain your composure and you got to be compassionate with your people. Um, today, we just went to the local supermarket stop and shop and we're buying $15,000, which of $100 gift cards to send to every one of the staff members. Um, you, you have to be compassionate. There is no way to prepare for this. Zero. 2008 was a completely different element than we have today. This, this took us by storm. We had our record January and February best ever. And going into March, it was, okay, where is the sky? How high can we fly? And then you get hit with this. The financial impact is beyond comparison. I will say this to you. This is a time when partners, true partners, partnerships can glow. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've got some vendors out there that are willing to step up and help us through these times. And there are a few, Dave and Andy, that I can tell you, they have turned into, you know, rotten eggs. And a few of these vendors have taken an attitude that, you know, we don't really care about you. You're going to pay us what you owe us. And I don't mean that in a negative Who's way. Who's going to be using those vendors down the road, though? Come on. Agreed. And, and you'd be surprised. I mean, you know, Cox, who we have a lot of products with websites and, and X time and all those things, they step right in 50%, two months. And there's a few That's others. Fantastic. that have done it. Great. Cod.com did it. Cogurus did it. But you get some of these big vendors like your DMS providers, some of them stepped up and others have been ignorant to it. So we have to be compassionate. We got to take care of our people and we got to weather the storm. And quite frankly, I hope all my brothers and sisters out there that are in these stores um, take a deep breath and this too shall pass and we will survive. And we just can't, we can't hurt one another. We got to all come together, bond in unity to get through this. We will. And I really believe that the president being a business person understands. And that's why we're getting this monumental package out to all of us. Have, have you digested known. that much? What do you think of the stimulus package? Have, have you thought about well, how that how that impacts you? 
well, what they've said and what we have, you know, not had the ability to, to, uh, to digest yet because we don't have all the details. But based on what they're saying, it looks like they want us to try to get people back to work, get them on the payroll, because obviously that's what we all need to do. Now, we've got to weather the storm. We've got to get through the next few weeks. And then, you know, the U-shape is going to happen and we're going to come right back up. And it's going to take us some time. At the end of the year, I don't see us selling any less vehicles than we anticipated by much more than 5 or 6% because 50% of our sales are leases or more. So they got to come out and they got to get a new car. And then, you know, the other piece of this puzzle we all got to be somewhat concerned about is let's not get crazy because the value of our inventories are in the multi-millions of dollars. And the price of these vehicles didn't change last night. Now, if you look at, you know, the Mannheim reports today, it's going to tell you they're worth 15 or 20% less. Well, none of us can take 15 to 20% on 50 or 60 or $100 million of interest. So we got to be patient. We got to be compassionate. We can't get crazy. We got to slow down because on the flip side, we don't want to have clients coming in with a vehicle. The value of that vehicle, we can't have them trade it today. In six weeks, find out the value went up by 20% because we're in the down cycle. So I think we got to be careful. Our reputation's on the line, and we do a lot of good things in the community. Let's stay focused. Joe, you said it best. This too shall pass. Now, we only got a minute or two left, but before we end this call, uh, I want to get your take on the on the Asbury acquisition with, with, with Park Place. You know, it was announced uh, today on Forbes, as I said earlier, um, that, the, that the acquisition is no longer taking place. Um, it actually says in here that, you know, there could be uh, Asbury disclosed that terminating the agreement would cost it approximately $30 million, including a termination fee, financing, and other expenses. What's your take on that? You know, let's, you know, let, let's take a deep breath. And I think Asbury, if you really look into it, they were stepping up and they recognized that maybe this wasn't such a good decision. Was this a good excuse to get out? Would you rather lose $30 million than $100? Um, I really think they may have you know, put in more than they would have liked to. And uh, that's a monumental achievement for them. And, and I'm not so sure that that's something that anybody can absorb overnight under these current conditions. If this lasts for 60 or 90 days, you know, you can look back and say, hey, I'm glad I did that. Or am I glad I didn't? You know, sometimes the best deals are the ones you don't do. Um, I feel bad for the seller and the buyer in that situation. But I think both parties have to understand that thing was going to fall apart at some point because, you know, it was too big of an apple for them to bite. Look, at the end of the day, it was $2 billion of revenue. And Asbury CEO, David Holt, who is extremely intelligent and an incredible oh, businessman, an incredible person yep. individually, as you just said, you know, he's smart. Yep. He knows what he's doing. Uh, and, and again, like you said, I feel bad for all parties involved. I'm sure it was a lot of wasted time and money for everyone involved. And I'm sure we'll hear of many acquisitions with many acquisitions like this in the future. Um, and it's sad. It's sad to see an acquisition with, with time spent. Look, I've been involved as you know, Joe, in many acquisitions, uh, much, much smaller and some bigger, you know, when, when people are putting time into an acquisition like that and they don't see it succeed, you know, the failure aspect of it is hard to overcome. So I do feel bad for everyone involved. I'm sure everyone will move on. And like you said, this too shall pass. 
Joe, we cannot thank you enough for hopping on the call today. Uh, Andy and I had a great pleasure in speaking with you. Uh, Joe Laham, Premier Auto Group out of Massachusetts. Joe, you've done a great job helping out the automotive industry today, and we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay home. God bless. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Joe. Another fantastic interview with somebody who is, I think, ahead of what many other people are doing. He's got such a positive attitude. Um, he's taking care of his people. He puts that first. And I think that it really matters. A lot of times people start to get so wrapped up in their dollars and cents and exactly what the numbers look like. I think that when you have that positive attitude that we see from somebody who's been in the industry for 40 years, you start to understand that as you get through something that we will all have to get through. I mean, there will be an end to this. If you do it with a positive attitude, if you do it with the people who are going to help you at the end of it, it's it's going to turn out probably the best you can you can imagine that way. Andy, look, Joe and many other dealers out there, you know, look, Joe's been doing this for 40 years, okay? You know, he's he's been through a lot. He's been through some great, great days and months of success and some downtimes. You know, you learn as, as you do this for as long as he has to be proactive in these situations. And by getting out there as early as he did to his employees, to his customers, addressing the situation... And kind of, you know, look, we're all learning every day. This isn't new. We're all watching the same cable news channels and local news channels. We're all learning what's going on every day together. But what's most important is one word he said, communication. Right. We got to communicate with the people around us. We got to utilize our resources and not allow any of it to go by the wayside and just fall apart. We cannot ignore this situation, ladies and gentlemen. It is so important that we address it. We hit it head on and we understand that, you know, it's really up to us. You know, most importantly, Andy, as we as we bring guests on like like Joe, you know, it's important for the automotive industry to really understand why we're doing this. Okay, you know, this this podcast is so important to help everyone battling this crisis get through this. And And it's very very specific to the industry, right? You know, each show that you're going to listen to is specific towards you know law, accounting. Uh, uh, what's going on in the manufacturer aspect and their view of things. Um, You know, every area of the automotive industry, we're going to talk about day to day. You know, if we're constantly living in the negativity, we're always going to be thinking of a negative outlook. In life, we always have to consider the positive and the positive outcome. We We cannot control what's going on today. All we could do is look for a way out, look for a way to make it better each and every day in our personal lives, in our relationships, in business, and most important is to try to remain positive. Like Joe Laham said today, take a deep breath. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening today. We'll see you next time. Until next time, this is Dealer News Today.